This is Jess, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. I just wanted to give you a quick reminder of my promo code for HypnoBabies. If you haven't heard of HypnoBabies before, go back and listen to episode 7, where I interviewed the founder and CEO, Carrie Tishoff of HypnoBabies. HypnoBabies is childbirth hypnosis. It encourages you to enjoy your baby's birth in comfort, joy, and love. They have so many programs on there that you can download and get started today. And if you're not currently pregnant, no problem. There's also tracks for toddler sleep and even to quit smoking. There's everything on there you can imagine. Take a look on the show notes for the link and don't forget to insert the promo code PUMPINGPODCAST at checkout for a special discount. This episode this week is very near and dear to my heart because I sat down and chatted with one of my best friends from middle school, Angela Hawthorne, or as I like to call her, Ange or Angie. Angie and I grew up together making up dances to Britney Spears and doing all kinds of fun things that girls do. Those dances inspired her and she actually ended up becoming a Patriots cheerleader. After cheering for two years and diving into the corporate world, She knew that something was missing and she decided to start her own fitness studio that she currently has and is thriving in Massachusetts. The only thing at that point that was missing was motherhood and family, to which she kind of had this fairy tale picture in her head, but she quickly learned it is not a fairy tale. So here is Angie. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to connect with you. And I think it's crazy because I don't really know much of your mom's story, so I'm really, really excited to know that. But I have to share with anyone who's listening. So today I'm talking with one of my middle school friends. I can't believe it. Angie, does anyone even call you Angie anymore? Probably not. My dad is the only person that calls me that. Is that not? It's so so funny. Well, to me, you're Angie. What do you go to? Do you go by mostly Ando now? like whatever resonates with people. I don't have like a set preference. Yeah. Well, before we get started, I have one question that I have to ask you and you're probably going to laugh. Do you remember? So for those listening, this girl and I used to hang out after school all the time. And like, we used to make up dances and songs and (laughs) like, I don't know, get into so much mischief. Do you remember the song that we made up, um, the new lyrics to Britney Spears, Hit Me Baby One More Time? It was something about a milkshake, wasn't it? It was about, <laughs> it, sort of. It was about food. <laughs> and I'm, Feed me baby one more time. Feed me baby one more time. Okay, and I'll just remind you because I remember all the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's hear it. It comes to me every now and then. Okay, here we go. I'm not warmed up. My hungriness is killing me, and I, I must confess, I'm still hungry, still hungry, when I'm not with you, I supersize, give me some fries, feed me, baby, one more time. (laughs) I do remember that. Oh my, where that came from, I know we were obsessed with Britney Spears. You're very very talented, anyway. I mean, you can write songs too. Can you believe it? <laughs> we should have sent that into McDonald's or something. 
<laughs> oh my god anyway well i'm so so excited to chat with you um and move past our middle school years so you are now a mom of two and you're an mm -hmm. entrepreneur you started your own business and i'm just so so proud of you for that you in the past which we'll get to a little bit but you were a new england patriots cheerleader which was amazing and so so much more so first of all you're joining us from massachusetts yes and yep. You've pretty much lived there your whole life, right? You never went anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, we've pretty much been in the same area. Yeah. And so before we dive into kids, bring me back to life before kids. So you were the New England Patriots cheerleader, and then you moved into this entrepreneurial world. How did this all happen, and what did life look like for you? Um. So I actually went to school for psychology, so... While I was in college, I auditioned for the Pats and made the team. And I was on the team for three years. And so during that time, I was going to school and also cheering. And um, that was just so cool. That was just so fun for me. It was just sort of like a dream and a passion of mine. Like I wanted to dance. I remember this goes back to middle school, actually, because you grew up dancing. And, you know, I remember being like so enthralled with anyone that ever took dance for just for fun outside of school and we just we just never did that just growing up I think it was just something that wasn't on our radar um so when I graduated from high school and I was going into college I just you know I'd like to think I was naturally talented you were yeah well that's the thing that I always thought was so funny because you were always like oh my gosh Jess you're such a good dancer and this and that and then you like, I feel like you blew up and then that's like what you were doing. And now you're in the fitness world. It's just so crazy. It makes me so proud of you. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, so I think, and it's important that people know this too. I always like to tell that, you know, when I tried out for the Patriots and I failed miserably. I mean, my audition was so embarrassing. So I didn't make it the first time around and I wanted it so bad. Um, I think I just like took that year and worked on myself and sort of, you know, it's just like any other audition. It's like they're looking for a certain role and you have to be that person in order to fulfill that role. So I just did what I could to make myself part of this role. And um, and that was just such a fun time because I was traveling and I was, um, you know, meeting new friends. And it, that's sort of like, I like to say a pivotal point in my life because yeah. I think like outside of my little small town that we grew up in, you know, mm -hmm. um, it just gave me the experience to see bigger things and, you know, more enriching experiences. Um, and after I was done cheering, I was honestly just sort of kind of sad. And I had graduated college and I was just like, what am I going to do now? You know, and there were, there's a limit where at the time there was a limit on how many years you could cheer. Cause otherwise I probably would have stayed on for a couple more years. Oh. So I went, I, I got a full-time job working in corporate um, and I was just like in a cubicle and I just was like, this is so not me. I mean, I went to school for psychology. I have this like creative dance passion to perform and just sort of run, run things. Like I just, it just wasn't a good fit. It felt awful. Um, yeah. So at some point during that time, I decided just I needed an outlet and I started teaching, well, I started taking fitness classes, like group fitness classes, because I, it was the closest thing to dance that I could sort of get, Fine, get yeah. to. Um, and I, 
I mean, I fell in love with it. And then I decided that I wanted to teach and I just started teaching, you know, one or two fitness classes and some different studios. And then one day I said, you know what, I think I'm going to open my own studio. I had no idea what I was doing and the rest is pretty much history. So that's how it all sort of came about. (laughs) And so now you opened up more than one location, right? So I, yes. Um, I'm originally, we had three locations um, and that happened over like a span of like three or four years. And after I had my first child, I started to see like, this is a lot, this is a little too much for me to handle a little too much for me to manage. Um, And I just wasn't in a space where I was ready to sort of like give that to someone else. Um, So I decided to, to basically close to them. And I just have one, which is so much more manageable. And I think the cool thing about it is that, it made me also realize that I was really just sort of like giving myself like tunnel vision or like pigeonholing myself into one career, which I essentially like now, you know, now looking back, I'm like, that's like the best thing I could have ever done. And it's funny how people look at what like success means. Cause I remember that people would like send me messages and they're like, I'm so sorry that like you're closing your studio. And um, I'd be like, this no, great. Like, this is one of the best this is like the best thing for me because now I have so much more time and energy to focus on other things that are just starting to come about now. Um, and it's funny because like when you're in a space where you feel frustrated and you don't know like what's next and you're not sure about your career moves, um, like I hate, to, I hate it. I hate this advice so much because when you're in it, you just don't want to hear it. But like really timing is everything. And it those opportunities really do just present themselves when the time is right. So you know, now I'm in a space where I'm, I have the studio and I'm also looking at some other things too, which is really exciting. So if you're anywhere near the Eastern Massachusetts area, check out Mind Body Bar. It's an amazing studio and it's a little different from anything that I've ever been to. How would you describe it? It's not just a bar studio. What, how do you describe it? Yeah. So I mean, we certainly offer fitness classes and the primary classes that we offer are bar classes. We offer some other things too, but I think the thing that makes it so different is that we have such a strong emphasis on, on the mind body connection and this idea of, you know, spirituality through yourself, however, however that resonates with you. So there's no like one right way. And I think that it's about that discovery of yourself. And one other thing is that we're avoiding pretty much all diet culture that just drives me absolutely with bananas, which is the stuff that you hear that's like, come on, ladies, it's bikini season, let's get ready. And um, like the tone it up, 10 day slim your right. skinny down challenge uh, just all right. these things um are just so unrealistic and I think um if you experience our studio you'll see that it's more about inner awareness it's just about awareness that's it yeah and it's a it's a lifestyle then instead of then being like a 30-day fix correct yeah yeah and also did you start this first studio and I think you told me in the past, threw it all on a credit card and just like a wing and a prayer. Yeah. 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 Um, That's so, so amazing. I know it's, well, I don't advise anyone to do it. It's a terrible idea, but I will say that I had always sort of been the type of person that was like, if I want something bad enough, like I'm going to find a way to make it happen. And 
of course I had resources that were probably would have probably been a little bit better of options with like zero interest and things like that, like small business loans and stuff of that nature. But I was just like super impatient and a little young and naive, which I think worked to my benefit at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, screw it. I'm just going to put it all on a credit card because then it's done. And now I have this this debt that essentially I need to pay off. Um, and I did. So it took, you know, I don't want to make it sound like a miracle story. Like it was overnight success. It definitely took like, you know, two or three years to feel where I was in a space where all that debt was paid off and I was comfortable and I was thriving, but it, it worked out for me. (laughs) That was, that was my risk. It totally did. And your studio, it's just, it's refreshing. I wish I lived closer so I could go all the time, but yeah, it's, it's inspiring. It's refreshing. It's clean and crisp, but I just, I really love it. And I'm just so, so proud of you for it. Um, So when you have a business like this that you create and you dive into this, how do you then decide to go ahead and start to have a family? I mean, was that scary for you thinking that now your business could just fall apart? So this is such a great question because I can admit now, um, I think my idea of having a family and having children was just romanticized a little bit. And I never realized how much it was going to change who I was, my, my business, uh, my relationship with my husband, basically everything in your life. Mm-hmm. And I just thought like, Oh, I'll have, I'll have a baby and I'll bring the baby to the studio and I'll get work done. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm, I was laughing because obviously if you have ever, you know, had an experience of being a mom, you know, that that's just so silly and foolish to think that that's possible. Um, so yeah, I didn't really think about it, which, so for me, it sort of hit me like a ton of bricks when everything, when I had my, I like to call it like my, it was my, it's been a two year, two years really of just like finding myself again. Mm -hmm. And so bring us through that. What was your pregnancy and birth like with your first little girl? I got pregnant pretty easily. And, um, you know, I was so thankful for that because of course there's so many, there's so many scenarios. And, um, so we were excited about that and had pretty much a normal pregnancy up until about, well, honestly, it came out of nowhere. We were actually getting ready. Our bags were packed in our bedroom. We were going to go on a baby moon. We were going to go to Amelia Island. Um, and we were going to like have this little, little vacation, you know, get on a plane and go and enjoy. And, you know, my doctor was like, yep, that's fine. You're only 29 weeks. That should be totally fine. Just avoid any areas that have, you know, Zika virus or anything like that. So I, we pack our bags, I'm laying in bed and then I wake up at our flight was that morning at like 4am, I think or something early. And I woke up at like midnight to what I thought was contractions. And I'm like, am I having contractions? This is like so weird. And you don't, because you're like, you're 29 weeks. You're you're not, you don't think you're in labor and you've never been in labor. So you don't know what what it feels like. So I called the doctor and the nurse was like, I think, you know, you should drink some water and go back to bed. And if they ease up, you know, they'll probably ease up 
And I'm like, okay, fine. So I go back to bed. It's like one in the morning. I wake up. I'm still having these contractions or what feels like contractions. And I wake up my husband. I'm like, I think I'm having contraction. He's like, there's no way. Like we're getting on a plane in like three hours. We need to like ready to go. So we're like packing up our stuff. And I'm like, I think we should go to the hospital just to like check because I'm really not sure. So he, so we're both kind of like annoyed almost like I, you know, we're, right. I'm thinking like, God, I hope they just check me and they're like, you're fine. And then we can rebook our flight and then I'll get on the flight and like, yeah. we'll just- and your husband's probably so anxious. Cause he's like, we can't be late to the flight. And exactly. The flight. So we're like thinking not that it's nothing. And we actually almost just went to like one of the local hospitals because again, I just thought it was nothing. But as we start driving in, we're driving into Boston and, um, they start getting more painful. And, uh, I get there, they check me and I was eight centimeters dilated already. And they were like, you're having a baby like now. And I'm like, I mean, everything happened so fast. And I'll say that that like whole experience from the moment they said, you're having this baby tonight, today, I don't, I honestly don't really remember anything. I just remember like just being rushed around, like being brought into the room. I didn't have time for an epidural. So, you know, it was, that was it. And she was here. But was your body ready to push? So within like the hour. Yeah. So wow. it was crazy. Um, and I just remember there were quite literally, there were like 20 people in the room because they had like the NICU team in there ready to take the baby. And, um, and I gave birth and, you know, like for most moms, they have this experience, like to put the baby on the chest and, and none of, I mean, I, it's all such a blur to me, but I know because my husband tells me the story and he remembers that they were just counting like 10 seconds, 10, nine, eight, seven. That was as long as I could like see her. Cause then they had to take her and bring her right to the NICU. Um, and so honestly, like, I think I was just in such shock. I didn't feel anything. Like at that moment, I wasn't sad. I wasn't happy. I was just like completely numb. I literally remember because my mom and sister made it into the hospital. They, they rushed there when they found out I was in labor. And after I was done, I was like, I really want a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich. (laughs) And they were like, you just birth and like that's what you're asking for like I was just I was so numb to the whole situation and then um it wasn't until I had to go up to the NICU to see the baby um that like I just kind of started to realize what was going on and when it really hit me was when we left the hospital without our baby um and that was just you know, I can talk about it now completely fine, but that was just such an awful experience because I just was so scared and she was three pounds when she was born. So she was tiny. Um, but I also, I think I, I, I didn't really go through any of like the trauma from it until much, much later. I mean, even like a year later, because essentially that's how trauma works, right? Like you, you just get through it because you're in, you're, you're going through the motions. I mean, I was going to the hospital every day to see her. She was there for two months. We took her home and then, you know, it's all a blur and it feels like it was so long ago now, but. Wow. So you were driving into Boston every day and for two months. Yeah. Yeah. And of course the whole 
like breastfeeding thing was tough too because she was in the NICU. So I would go there as much as I could, but they were mostly bottle feeding her, giving her feedings through a tube because that's what it what she could take. So I ended up having to pump the whole time because she wouldn't latch. So it was like I became an ex- exclusive pumper, which was, you know, quite an experience, but it was all all for the best. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I've definitely interviewed one other and I think maybe more moms who have literally said the same thing that their baby was put on their chest and they just felt numb and they just didn't feel anything. And I think I think it mostly has to do with the shock that you probably were in because you're in a mindset of going like on vacation (laughs) and, and having quality time with your husband. And then all of a sudden you have this baby that you've been looking forward to for so long, but then you can't really have it in your hands. So then it's this like, yeah, out of body experience, I bet, but you're not alone in that. Cause I've definitely heard that before and it doesn't make you a bad person or a bad mom. It's just the way that it, the way that it worked out, but holy moly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think like, to, so to answer your question, to come back to like how I went through that, I think that I just didn't really have a choice. And I think being home mm-hmm. with her, because what happened was I, you know, then you take your baby home and you're now your mom. Now you're responsible for this little human. And, you know, my husband got to go back to work and have his job and all of his, his life essentially went back to the way it was. And then I'm home with the baby. So he and I definitely, you know, and we openly talk about that with other people or other couples that are pregnant or have children that it's, sometimes whoever the stay-at-home parent is it gets or the whoever the caretaker is essentially right that's primarily taking care of the child it can be really hard because you can feel so isolated and your life changes so much I mean you can't just get up and leave and take a walk outside anymore it's like a whole process and then you have to care for somebody else and um the responsibility factor is just so huge and your freedom too I mean you you really do lose parts of your freedom. So you have to come to terms with that. And during that whole time after you had her and then for those two months, I mean, you didn't go back to work, right? During that time as well, you were just visiting her. Yeah. So of course there was like, you know, there's like your six week postpartum period where you're, you really aren't supposed to be doing anything other than like walking. And since my job was essentially teaching fitness classes, my body ready to get back to that. But I did, I did actually go back, which was funny because it made my maternity leave sort of like not a real maternity leave. I, I, as soon as I could get back to teaching, I did, um, which was about six weeks later and she was still in the NICU. And when she came home, I took like two weeks off and then I went right back to work. So it was, it was very segmented. Mm -hmm. I think that they contributed to sort of like the chaos that I felt because, you know, if I could look, if I could go back now, I might have taken more time for myself. But again, like when you're in that experience, like that's how I was able to cope with it was just by keeping myself busy. Yeah. I mean, on the flip side of it, it maybe like confused your identity a little bit. Yeah. But that is what you needed, I guess, at that time. Yeah. So now your youngest is how old? I mean, your, your oldest is how old? Yeah, she's 
2.9, two years, nine months, because she's going to start school next week, which is so crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just a cute little, little muffin. Oh my gosh. I love the videos that you post of her too, like dancing around in her princess dress. (laughs) I have like flashbacks of when like me and my sister were little and doing little dances. (laughs) Such a girl. So now you have another little girl. I do. Process like. Um, So what's great about it is that again, we got pregnant. And as we're going through the pregnancy, I feel like this was like the universe's way of just being like, you haven't dealt with some shit yet. Let's, (laughs) let's give her all the shit so that we can make her once and for all really address some things that are going on. So we got pregnant. um, And of course, again, we're so excited. And I, knew going into the pregnancy that if you had previously had a preterm labor, that you were more likely to also go into preterm labor. So that's just a statistic. Um, No one knows why preterm labor happens. Um, Wish we did, and but we don't. So um, they had me taking progesterone shots weekly, which were just, they're just like auto. I had like an auto injector that I'd have to like poke myself with and give myself Mm -hmm. hormones. And so we knew we were going to be monitoring that as something that could happen. So when I made it to about 18 weeks, they checked my cervix and they told me that my cervix had started to shorten and the doctor, you know, like, it's like one of those appointments where you go in because you're, you're just hoping that they're going to say, everything's fine. looks great. Here's your ultrasound and leave. So Mm -hmm it was one of those appointments where the tone really changed and we were like, what? Um, And actually I'd like to back it up for a second. Um, At 12 weeks, they found, they found something on one of our, one of our ultrasounds that could have been, and this is like the trouble I feel like today with how awesome the medical world is in being advanced because we have all these tests now, which are so great because they give us peace of mind, but they also do just the opposite, right? Sometimes you some anxiety. <laughs> so, um, at 12 weeks, they, they found something on the ultrasound that could indicate that could be an indicator for, um, a genetic disorder or down syndrome or something of that nature. So they put us through all this genetic testing. And of course those tests take a few weeks to come back. So you're just like, you feel terrible, you know, for those weeks, because you don't know what to do with yourself. And also at around 12 weeks, you start, or at least I start to show a little bit. And so it's like, you want to tell people you're pregnant. This is the normal time when you would say, um, Hey, everyone I'm expecting, and you can be excited about it. But now you're like waiting three more weeks because you're unsure of what's going on. And my doctor at that time too, I remember saying to her, so do you think it's okay for us to tell people we're pregnant? And she was like, I would wait. So that just like, that just sunk me, you know, down into like a deep, dark hole because I was like, oh, that could be the worst. That could be the worst case scenario, right? Like something's wrong. We have to terminate the pregnancy. We were unsure. So then we fast forward, things came back normal or fine. And we're like, well, we're they offered us other tests that we could have done like, and we decided not to take them because we were just like, we're just going to keep going down this 
sort of rabbit right. hole of like, we're not hundred percent sure. We're never going to know until we have the baby. So at 20 weeks, that's when they told me that my cervix started to shorten. And I was just like, okay, what does this mean? And the whole tone of the doctor's conversation sort of just got a little bit more ominous. And, um, he's like, okay, we're referring you to maternal fetal medicine and someone will call you. And I'm like, I'm leaving. And I'm like, where are they going to call me? You know, like, okay. I'm like, phone out waiting. And actually it's funny because it was, I think they were concerned about it enough that on the way home from the appointment, someone from the hospital called me and they were like, it was July 3rd. So the next day was the 4th of July. And the woman that called me ended up being my doctor for the rest of the pregnancy. She was, they recommended that I come in on the 4th of July uh, for a cerclage, which is basically when they sew your cervix shut to help it, to help it from shortening anymore. Wow. So it's just, it was just like a little day procedure. I was in and out of the hospital, but of course, like I was just so scared. I was so scared I was going to lose the baby because of what had happened last time. And, you know, at 20 weeks, it's just, you're not really considered a viable pregnancy. So it's just too soon for anything to happen. Um, and so we were just like waiting. We were like, we just want to make it to 29 weeks because we know we've been through this already and we can handle that. We can handle the NICU for two months. Um, and so, you know, we make it to 29 weeks and we were just like so excited. I feel like we were like celebrating that day, um, <laughs> but it, it definitely, again, like from 20 weeks on, I mean, my doctors essentially were like, advise you not to work out, not to do anything overly strenuous, don't lift heavy. So I was just living in fear from week yeah. 20, I gave birth. So then when we finally did make it, to, I can't believe I'm saying this, 38 weeks. I oh mean, my God, that's crazy. Well, and, and any other mom that's listening to this might be like, this girl is insane. Like she's so lucky she made it to term. And I understand that many women go past their due date, but I wanted to die at 38 weeks. I was <laughs> so big. I actually, as part of this podcast, I will send you a picture of my stomach. I, I It was a cone. It was oh my God. like, I was so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable. My doctor was just laughing because she's like, yep, all these women that have preterm labor and then they, they make it to full term and they're just like, they cannot believe it. So yeah. Um, Cause you've never been through that before too. No. So it's like, so when I had, you know, you know, so she came, which was wonderful. They were actually going to induce me because I was having contractions. I had like a false labor around 34 weeks. And so from 34 weeks to 38 weeks, I was having regularly timed contractions every day. So for a month. Um, and I, oh my God, I was so uncomfortable. I was in so much pain. Uh, so luckily she came without having to be induced and my water broke, went into the hospital, quick labor pretty standard, all things wonderful. Wow. You know, one thing, one post I saw that was just gorgeous is you, now this is at, I think it's 29 weeks. Hold on. Let me find it again. It it went away. So yeah, (laughs) you said I'm officially four more hours pregnant than I've ever been 29 weeks in one day. And I, I, I was really inspired by the picture too, because it's you holding your little girl with your pregnant belly at 29 weeks and you're naked in your bathroom. And now of course you don't see anything, but it's a gorgeous picture and she's naked on top of you as you're holding her. It's just such an amazing picture. And you can see the joy in your face 
what made you, I mean, besides just being overwhelmed by joy that you had made it this far, what made you post something like that? I feel like I want to, this, this is so funny because it goes back to kind of what you originally asked me, like, what was life like before your kids and what, you know, what was your studio about? What's your message about? And again, I think that the more educated we are on any subject um, and the more awareness we have about ourselves and just things that happen in the world, it just makes us more, it just creates this human connection that's so important. And I know because I'm talking to you right now, there are other moms out there and there are other people who have these same experiences, but we just feel like so isolated because we're experiencing them at different times and you feel alone. It's just not, not the case. It's just Mm -hmm. this realness that needs to be said. Yeah, absolutely. You really can't plan. You can't, you can't strategize. You just have to take it one day at a time and keep yourself healthy and your mind right and just roll with the punches. I will say, and you can share this on, on the record or off the record, doesn't matter to me. Um, yeah. So just to fill you in a little more on, on what happened actually after that. So I took, so now I'm home with two girls and I'm enjoying my life and I'm about three weeks postpartum I taking the girls for a walk and I start feeling this like heaviness like this heavy sensation in like my pelvic floor and I'm like something's not right like what's going on so I decided to like investigate and I see like a bulge coming out of me and I'm like what on earth is going on so I call my doctor and of course I like doctor googled myself and basically the doctor confirms what is like my worst nightmare is that I have a prolapse. So I, I mean, like I literally thought my life was over. Like I cried and cried my eyes out. And because a lot of what you find is this, if you're researching it is a lot of choppy segmented information that is, it's like, you have three options based on like how severe the prolapse is. And the options are you can have surgery if it's severe enough. And a lot of women just aren't candidates for it because it's not super severe. Um, or you can have a pessary, which is like a device that they basically put up inside you to help hold your organs in place. Or you can be, you can just live with it basically. And you can go to like PT and sometimes things improve. Essentially what happens with prolapse is if you imagine the vagina, like a tent, right? So like your entrance of the vagina in going up into the walls of your vagina. So essentially if you imagine it like a tent, the pelvic organs that surround it, one of those organs, sometimes one or all of them. So like, it would be like the rectum, the bladder, or the uterus they'll shift or deviate inside of you and push into the wall of your tent so essentially that's what you're seeing it with a bulge so like it could be it's sort of like a hernia Uh, uh you know what I mean because stuff is being like crowded in there so there's no place for it to go so then it just starts to come out yep so essentially with prolapse you know it again depends on the situation but when with childbirth, it's extremely common. It happens to like, and this is what surprised me so much. And I was so upset because 
I'm like, how come more women don't know about this? You know, we hear about like, do your Kegels and strengthen your pelvic floor. And, but why it's like, we should talk about the why. Yeah. And I mean, I understand why doctors aren't like, they don't want to, it's like anything else, right? They're not going to scare you. They're not going to be like, if you don't do this, then this will happen because that's such a patterned response that can be a dangerous place to go. Um, But the importance of keeping your pelvic floor strong for sure should be emphasized. And I was just shocked to hear that it's so common with women and we're not talking about it. And, you know, we're not talking about it because I think there's like this idea of like shame and guilt associated with talking about our vaginas, which is like, it's so ridiculous because it's like any other part, right? Like if I hurt my knee and needed to rehab my knee, I would be telling you you're having having knee surgery. (laughs) I'm having, I'm having PTO because my knee is bothering me. And, um, what I've found is that a lot of women are experiencing incontinence, like, or they're, they, they've had prolapse because they've had children. And it's not, it's not just women who have had children. It's also other things too. It can be pain during sex. It can be all these public floor issues that we're just not talking about that happen all the time. Um, And so I sort of found peace in that, I think, after finding my way through the education of it all. And I can say that, you know, I'm like two months out of it now after having well, almost three months because my daughter's almost three months and I'm mostly symptom free um, and things have improved, but I definitely, you know, for a minute there, I was like, I think my life is over. <laughs> so that happened just about a month after she was born. Um, I noticed it three weeks after I took her home. So yeah. Yep. And so you didn't have the surgery? Nope. I actually, so I went to a urogynecologist and spoke with him and, and he was like, oh, surgery's not an option. You know, I have a, what's called, it's called a grade one to two cystocele. It's a prolapsed bladder. Um, and, you know, in my case, it's not like coming out of me, thank, thank God, but it's, you have to look for it. Um, but right. I will say that I think what's cool, what's uh, cool about it, I guess, is that I feel so much more confident in talking about it now because it's, it's way more common than you realize it's, and I've actually started developing. So I'm so excited, a class for pelvic floor that I'll be offering at the studio for women. Um, yes. So that will be an exciting launch. And it's so neat because you've experienced that. So to be able to teach and be taught by somebody who went through the exact thing that hopefully in these classes you're trying to prevent or to, you know, reconcile. That's, that's huge. So do your Kegels. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, and you, you probably couldn't really have much sex after that, I would imagine either. <laughs> so that sucks. <laughs> you know, it's funny at 20 weeks, they were like, you know, we're basically, you know, we advise that you guys, that you stop having sex and, you know, not be as active and just kind of slow things down. And I remember like laughing as I'm like, oh my God, I'm so upset. I can't work out, but I, I don't have to have sex. This is awesome. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Sometimes I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we all feel that way. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Oh my God, what a journey. So this is kind of the new step into some new business ideas for you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm feeling excited because I think that 
I'm hoping that it opens up a conversation and a safe place for other women who are, have maybe gone through it or are going through it to come and talk about it. And it will also be a physically safe class for anyone who is pregnant or postpartum or wants to get pregnant. So it's a great, it will be a great way to, to incorporate pelvic floor strengthening. That's amazing. Well, if you're listening and you've experienced something like this, you think you might be going through it or you want to learn more, definitely either reach out right to Ange on, uh, on her Instagram in the show notes, or you can send me an email to at uh, thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com and I'll reach out to her and connect you because that would be a great way too for you. I know clearly you have this degree in psychology and so I know helping people is, is in your bones clearly from your classes and just the person that you are. So that would be huge. And I really commend you for talking about it because it is true. The more that we keep hush hush on all of these things, I mean, that's the whole point of having this podcast. It's like, I want to get out there the things. I mean, me not being a mom and never being pregnant before, now going into that, hopefully within the next couple of years, it's something that I'll be aware of and I will do my giggles. (laughs) And I will, you know, be aware of it. It's really important. I mean, like you said, I don't think we should be weirded out about talking about that type of our, that, that area of our anatomy. If anything, it should be celebrated because it brings life into this world and this world wouldn't go on without it. (laughs) Yeah. It's really crazy. Well, so now you have these two beautiful girls and your business, I think it's great that you've narrowed down to just the one studio too, because you can put all that attention and that focus and change it and mold it and shape it into what you want it to be. So my very last question for you is thinking about these two little, little angels that you have, who will probably be dancing in your living room forever. Yeah. What's something that you want to leave with them that you want to tell them now for when they're 18? Oh, you got to ask all the hard questions today. All of them. I think I would tell them to just be kind to themselves and that being real and sharing your story is so important and that it helps shape other people. Well, and you came, it's kind of interesting because I'm I'm just realizing this. You came from a home of three strong women and now you've created a home of three, well, one strong woman and two little girls and they'll turn (laughs) into strong women. But it's just really cool to see that parallel. Yes, thank you. I'm so, so proud of you, Ange. And Ando, Angela, whatever you're going by now, but to me, you'll always be Angie. Um, I'm just so proud of you. And I know that the journey has not been easy, but it's definitely one that I think can be admired. And the more that you talk about it, it's just amazing. I'm so excited for other moms and future moms to hear this. And um, thank you so much for your time. I'm so happy we got to catch up. The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms, and I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, 
please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter, and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at The Pumping Podcast, and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping.